The Seder is a symposium, or it has become a symposium under the tutelage of the rabbis, to answer the question, what is freedom? We pursue that question, we ask it, we provide our answers philosophically and personally to answer the question. But ironically, the most celebrated Jewish ritual, the Pesach Seder, rarely answers that question in a way our sages of blessed memory would support. My understanding of Jewish tradition is that the sages see freedom as a momentary state, not a chronic condition, not a static condition. In the terms of the philosopher Isaiah Berlin, the freedom that adolescents crave and that Americans celebrate is the freedom not to be interfered with. But the truest freedom is the freedom to create something over time, a creation that has values and mission embedded within it. It's what you do with your freedom that defines the freedom. To define it by the negative, by the perpetual insistence that no one is telling you what to do is both immature and ultimately untrue. Why? I reflect upon my own life, I will embarrass myself. I have the freedom to develop an exercise regimen, but if I don't do that, why celebrate my freedom to do my exercise regimen? Is the freedom real? I have the freedom to be helping the poor, but how much do I do that? So should I be sitting around celebrating my freedom to do it? Or does the freedom become real in the projects that we make and pursue? I have the freedom to develop more harmonious communication patterns with my spouse, Lynn. We could do what we did when we were dating. We could reread Marshall Rosenberg's nonviolent communication book together and work through the workbook. It's time for a revisit. Even though, I mean, I'm pretty good with my, she's awesome. I could do some work. But I don't find the time to introduce that project. So isn't it a bit strange to celebrate the freedom we have to do all sorts of things that we don't do? Wouldn't it make more sense to celebrate the freedom that produces the creation of that which is praiseworthy? The great Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel said that to people like me, people don't want to hear that, Rav Nadav. People don't want to hear it from me. They don't want to hear it from others. You are suggesting that we are not really free most of the time. And Heschel wrote, unfree people are horrified by the suggestion that they are unfree. They do not want to hear or nor acknowledge what we all know from human nature and from direct knowledge of our own lives, that in life, the undirected goes astray because the world is no delicate, a derelict. Life is not a neutral ground. In this life of ours, the undirected goes astray. The haphazard becomes chaotic. What is left to chance is abandoned. The freedom to create, the freedom to really choose is a momentary state. How many of us really have that many epiphanies in our life? I share one with you. I don't have that many. They're important to me. And one of them was uh, dropping off my children at school pre-HDS when they were, uh, we were in San Diego. And for TK, uh, whatever, for the, you know, 
transitional kindergarten. For the four-year-olds, they didn't jump out of the car and run in. You had to walk them to the little fence with the cute little door and the teacher greeting them. So all the parents would line up. And I remember that I often did drop off and then did pick up. And so we're all lined up there, really, really nice folks. So it was my first time meeting people who did other things and came from other walks of life and were parents with same children. And they kept comparing notes. Everyone's going to be at the birthday party on Saturday morning that's in this park for my two-year-old, and there's going to be a jumpy, and there's going to be a clown, and, every, and, and everyone get on your calendar. And then don't miss, the forget that there's, don't forget that there's tryouts for mini soccer, and it's at this field, and if you don't get in, then you can't go this, the, the five-year-old one, and you can't go the six-year-old one. And if you got girls, don't forget that the hip-hop dance only has one spot in it. Everyone would be sitting there comparing how to fill up their calendar. And it was the first time, well, not the first time, let's, let's exaggeration. It was one of those epiphanies I had, thank God I'm Jewish. I can't go on Saturday because we have Shabbat and I'll be with my kids at synagogue. And I can't do this and I can't do that. And there are decisions I have to make because when your calendar fills up, how free are you after that? How the freedom is in determining the patterns that we live in. So freedom's those momentary states of decision because what do the rabbis say? You're always serving somebody. Life is service. I'm not free to do anything that I want because I serve my children. I serve my wife. I serve her father. I try to serve my parents as best I can. I try to serve the congregation. So we have limitations because we serve. So where do we make these moments of decisions when we choose our patterns. Many of you are grandparents, great-grandparents. You know those moments when you say something like, yes, I will move to be near you, or yes, you should move to be near me, and I will do childcare for you three days a week. But of course, add in childcare for date night, add in childcare when the kids are sick, but parents still have to go to work, add in Shabbat dinner, how free are you? Your freedom was in the moment that you offered that. Then you serve. So the way we serve God is not by sitting around celebrating how free we are to do the projects we don't do. It's to serve God in the places that we serve. I have to remember, what does it mean to serve God when I'm serving you? What does it mean to serve God when I'm serving them? What does it mean to serve God when we're serving the people that we serve? And that changes how we serve, right? I know the parents were lined up and they're great, great people with me at the chain link fence, kissing our tiny little beautiful children. Goodbye, can't wait till noon when we can pick them up. I know that they're thinking, how can I serve my child by doing the things that they love and accentuating their talents when they're four? And Lynn and I are sitting there thinking, how can I serve my child by serving their gifts and talents into fruition, the gifts and talents that they'll need when they're 20? and 30, and 40, so that they bring the gifts of their ancestors forward in true empowerment. I'm living in a different dimension. How am I serving God by serving them? I shared a little bit last night at the Friday night service. How can we serve God in the way we raise our children? Can we remember that we're babysitting for God, that we're raising our children to leave us, that we're raising our children to be independent? Why we're raising our children in something very, very painful, which is asking them to do things that are incredibly hard for them because we know we're preparing them for the future when they'll be doing things that are very, very hard and they'll know that they can do them. They'll know how to break those things down. 
It's part of the process of our um, rite of passage. What were your moments of true freedom in your life? Where did you make those decisions that were going to occupy your calendar, occupy whom you serve? Are you a teacher? You serve your students? So my question to you and what I offer you to bring to the Passover Seder this year is not where am I free, but how do I serve God in the places that I've chosen to serve? How do I serve God in the places where I'm not free, in the patterns that I was free to choose to inhabit, but now I inhabit in my human projects? I think the place that many of us can learn from is from addiction recovery and 12-step, and it's one of the reasons that this year, I think it's this coming Thursday, for the small group of us who want to gather for this purpose, we'll be doing the Haggadah, the Serenity Sober Seder, We'll, doing, we'll be doing the Haggadah through the themes of 12-step. So I want to remind you, it has to do with service. Step one, we admit that our lives have become unmanageable. And that is a truth. Step two, we admit that a, there's a power higher than ourselves that can restore us to sanity. Step three, we make a decision to serve that higher power. Jews tend to be very good at looking up how to kosher their stove. But we don't tend to be very good in asking, how do I serve God in each moment of my life? And that's an answer I can only really answer for myself. How do I bring holiness into these projects? How do I remember my mission within the structures and schedule I already inhabit. Skip to, then there's a lot of interpersonal stuff, a lot of repair, a lot of tikkun olam. And then we get to step seven, turn to God to change our character from one that serves idolatry, the wrong impulses, to serving the freedom to serve. And then there's a lot of human work again. Step 11, we, get to, we pray to understand God's will and for the power to carry that out. That should be Hallel at your Seder. And then step 12, we become this help to others who are enslaved. At your Pesach Seder this year, may you bring up the question to the group, not just what is freedom, but what is the freedom to serve? How do we bring mission and holiness to the projects where we are already serving? And how do we understand our service to God as the truest possible freedom? Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.